0: all right now we're rolling how you doing today brent i'm fantastic david how are you i'm doing wonderful um thanks again for doing the podcast it's a privilege to be able to sit down and talk with you i'm sorry this is a little weird i was looking at my computer and i have a new setup and the camera's that way and you're like on a tv screen so i should be looking that way not at the computer um <laughs> anyways I'm oh, good man uh so thanks again for doing the podcast it's uh I found out about you through Kevin Ross and uh, I found out about your event and then I thought I'd reach out to you to see what the event's all about and to kind of hear your story. So um, I guess with that being said, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself,
1: kind of where you're from, and then we'll get into the event a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, First and foremost, thanks for having me on. I I appreciate the time. And uh, before I talk about me, I have to talk about Kevin Ross because this is one of the best human beings I've ever met. Quick funny story about Kevin. So, I got married four years ago for the first time. Kevin and I have been friends since 2008 ish. Uh, we met in Las Vegas when I was living out there. And Kevin was supposed to stand up in my wedding and uh, ended up not making the wedding because he had to go fight for a belt in Rome, Italy. Oh. And uh, yeah, so I'm still a little salty about that. But uh, <laughs> aside from that, Kevin Ross is. And if any of you have watched his story on Joe Rogan, uh, he's just, uh, you know, you see that and, and you get to know who he is, but just being around Kevin a lot back in the day, uh, I started a t-shirt company, I was, I was the first guy to sponsor him, and I can remember back in 08, 09, um, when he really started hitting his groove as a Muay Thai fighter, some of those big fights with uh, Kang An, and, uh, obviously the Sanchai fight, the Malapet fight, just, it was such a great time for American Muay Thai and Kevin really spearheaded that whole movement along with a few other great fighters. So just being able to call him a friend is, is, uh, is a real privilege and getting closer throughout the years. And and now being able to call him a really, really close friend is a, uh, is a huge honor. And Kevin's just a great guy. And, uh, yeah, Kevin doesn't have much of an ego. So I do my best to try and inflate it. It still won't work. Kevin's one of the most humble guys you'll ever meet. Yeah. And this is just another example of that. He talked about the event and mentioned me. So, uh, you know, the whole power of the universe thing is working. So, uh, Kevin Ross.
0: A couple things on Kevin. Um, I remember when I, when I first heard his story on Joe Rogan, I remember thinking, wow, that was powerful. And that was back before I even started this podcast. And I remember thinking, like, after I started the podcast, like, wow, his story was so compelling. And that's the kind of story, like, those are the kind of stories I wanna cover on the podcast stories about rising above and overcoming. And because, I mean, oftentimes in t- today's society, victim culture is perpetuated. And Absolutely. it drives me insane. And I just remember him, like, being vulnerable on the podcast, but obviously he didn't let his past define who he was. And so I thought, you know what? I'm gonna throw throw some rocks into the abyss and see if he see if he responds. So I reached out to him and was like, hey man, can you do my podcast? And and uh he agreed. And I was like, wow, I cannot believe I got Kevin Ross.
1: Yeah, especially with him just coming off Joe Rogan, which I mean yeah, if you can name a bigger podcast than Joe Rogan, I'll give you a hundred dollars. I'll write you a check right now. <laughs> that is the biggest podcast. It is anyone the- that wants to be on a podcast wants to be on Joe Rogan yeah that's the biggest and kevin's been on there twice so yeah as you for you as a podcast host and a younger newer podcast host and in comparison to like joe rogan and some of the really big names that's a huge thing for you and that just speaks even more to kevin's character because uh for him it's it's all about genuinely and Honestly, wanting to help people and and hoping that that message hits people. I mean, his st- I didn't know a lot of that shit about him, And I was close with Kevin. Like we hung out every day. I remember leading up to his fights. I went to his fights with him. I mean, we were we were we were tight, man. And when he wasn't training or I wasn't training with him, he'd come by my place with Mark Beecher and some of the old crew, and we'd watch UFC fights at my place. I got really close with Kevin, and I never knew any of that shit about him. All I knew, was his story that was already amazing, that he started Muay Thai in his 20s, and then here he is 10 years later fighting Sanchai, arguably the best Muay Thai fighter of the last 30 years. And the Thai judge gave the fight a draw. I mean, it was, I was second row for that. It was I've been to a lot of UFC fights, a lot of boxing matches in, in Vegas at the highest level, and that is definitely top three, top four fight moments I've ever had and uh, it was incredible to be there, and uh, yeah, Kev's a real deal, and uh, uh, I'm glad that we're able to talk a little bit about him, because he's such a great guy, and I can't wait for people at the Roger Up event that don't know about him, that don't know much about the fight world, that don't know his story, to hear about his story, because meeting a guy like that can really flip someone around. If they've Dealt with the same type of stuff and haven't opened up like Kevin didn't for so long there's really uh, there's a couple guys that were really close to him, and I felt I feel like I was one of them, and I had no idea about some of that stuff because he just never shared it and uh, yeah i'm really looking forward to people hearing his story, not to mention. a, A dozen other incredible speakers. Um, with tremendous stories but yeah Kevin's uh Kevin's gonna be a real highlight at the event and I'm excited for people to get around him and meet him and um and I'm excited to get Kevin out there too because Kevin Kevin kind of stays in his bubble he stays in the Muay Thai world he kind of stays in his lane and I'm that guy when I call him I drive him nuts because I want to rip him out of that lane and and put him on a super highway. And uh, so I'm excited. He agreed to do the event, probably because he just got sick of my phone calls. If uh, we're <laughs> being completely honest. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So I, I appreciate you bringing up Kevin, and I appreciate Kevin uh, passing my name on to you.
0: Absolutely. Shout out to Kevin. Um, so uh, now let's talk about a little bit about you. Where did where did your journey kind of begin? Because obviously you're an author, but you're kind of a, a motivational author slash speaker, correct?
1: Yeah, I guess that's the title. I mean, I'm just I'm just a simple guy. I was born and raised in the in the suburbs of Chicago, just a you know maybe middle class at best. Family grow up, um, always outside, wrestling from fifth grade on, soccer from even before that, martial arts from probably the age ten on. Always outside. Um, if I was if I was a kid nowadays, I'd probably be diagnosed with ADHD, ADHD, GSP, PPR, whatever it is and they'd probably have me on 17 different medications. But back then, before cell phones, before the internet, and before this crazy uh, woke culture we're living in, I was the guy that was outside all the time, riding my bike, you know, just getting after it, having fun, and, and constantly you know, being outside and, and being in athletics and, and martial arts. And um, by the time sophomore or junior year of high school ro- rolled around, I pretty much knew I was gonna be in the military. Um, I knew I wanted to get a gun and and go do some good for God and country, but I didn't know specifically what branch. I knew it was going to be the the Army of the Marines. The vast majority of the men in my family had served. Uh, My dad was an Air Force guy. Uncles were Army and Navy Vietnam vets, and I knew that that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I ended up picking the Army, became a combat engineer, and uh, first deployment was in uh, 98 to Bosnia, and it kind of went from there. Uh, got banged up was medically discharged and then uh, around 2004 started contracting did that for about four and a half years and then um, yeah I kind of settled into to, uh, into civilian life and then for the last couple of years I've been uh, back in that but kind of in a different space doing executive protection personal protection working more specifically with foreign dignitaries royal families and high net worth people, both in an armed and an unarmed capacity.
0: I love how you nonchalantly just talk about that because that's pretty extraordinary that you get to be able to do something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's cool. You know, I I need that. Like, I'm I'm 46 now, and I still, you know, I, I got injured, and I didn't get to be that 20 year guy in the military. I barely got four years in, um, and I'm and I'm thankful, and I and I'm 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 very thankful that I I had the opportunity to do some contracting and still um, contribute to the GWAT, the global war on terror. I'm just, I'm thankful that I was still in some capacity able to do some good. Um, And and now, even though I'm, you know, I have the book and and we have this event coming up, which um, all, all signs are pointing towards. It's going to be a success. We still have plenty of tickets for sale and we're a month out today while we're recording this. But um, we've got some incredible people speaking at the event, and it, it's super exciting. And I think that's turning into what the next chapter of my life's going to be. But yeah, man, I, I have to be out there doing something. I can't, I can't be running and gunning like I was at 22. I have a wife. I have an 11-year-old stepdaughter. So you know, deployments and and all that type of stuff is out. But I can still do things that have some risk but uh not quite as much as being in a, in a war zone every day and and for me i'm obsessed with languages i'm obsessed with culture i want to know what what makes people tick and uh being able to you know work whether i mean we just got done working a, a royal family from the united Arab emirates we were on that for almost two months straight that was a long haul but you know you're dealing with people that Run entire countries, and it's pretty fascinating to be around that type of you know real serious money. And it's interesting to see how that culture and how that how everyone in that world interacts because it's completely different, even for the guy that makes a, a couple million a year, yeah. he or she can't possibly understand what someone worth 20 billion dollars I mean, the way they. The way they operate is completely foreign to 99.9% of us. Uh, so just to be around that is interesting. And then, you know, working with foreign diplomats and, and being able to see things at the embassy level, or the State Department level, or, you know, experiencing all these different languages is, is fascinating to me. And it's something I want to be involved in as long as I'm able to, at the highest level, protect these people in the event that something does happen. So, I can
0: imagine that you probably experience way more in, in this position than you ever did or ever would in the military, correct?
1: I mean, it, it depends. I mean, I've, I've never had to draw my weapon, um, thankfully, at least not yet. <laughs> the world's getting crazier the week. But in, in this job, I haven't had to uh, draw my weapon. Uh, I certainly did in the military. And um, so that would be the only separator with that what I what I enjoy about this is there's really two sides to the executive protection or the personal protection world. And that is you have the hard skills and what we call the soft skills. So the hard skills being basically all the cool Jason Bourne shit, all the martial arts, all the shooting, all the running, all the, you know, tough guy stuff. And that would include all the evasive driving and all the Jason Bourne stuff. But What I've come to find as I'm getting a little older, and and maybe, maybe, my wife would argue this, but maybe a little wiser, um, (laughs) is the soft skills. And that is the ability to de-escalate situations, the languages, all these different things that that are opposite from the hard skills, which the hard skills are things I've been doing for 30 years and, and love them. But the soft skills are now what's more important, because if you're some knuckle dragger and you're out there tackling someone, every person in the world has one of these and they're filming you. And God forbid you're a protection agent or a person or, you know, you're protecting someone and you act like a fool and you tackle someone, you draw your weapon when you're not supposed to. Everyone out there is filming. You never know when there's a camera out. So it's, it's important to be cognizant of your surroundings, that situational awareness, that is a soft skill. Languages, that's a soft skill. De-escalation is a soft skill, along with a whole host of other things. So I just find the deeper I go into this world, the more fascinating and interesting it is. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it because again, I like niche things. Yeah, I'm a Freemason. There's only 6 million of us out of 8 billion people on the planet. Um, I, I'm obsessed with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh, that's a pretty small segment of the world population that trains that consistently. Uh, I'm a United States Army veteran. Um, that's less than 1.6% of the entire United States. So I like being part of these very niche, very, if you want to call them elite or private you know, fraternities or brotherhoods, if you will. And um, that's kind of what- a
0: community too.
1: It is, and it's that camaraderie. And you ask any veteran, no matter if they serve two years or twenty years, what they miss the most, and he or she's gonna tell you it's the camaraderie. And I've been chasing that camaraderie ever since I got out. And jujitsu and a few other things are are the closest things that I've that I've found to it. Because I'm I'm the type of guy that needs people around me. I don't do well by myself. I know people like my dad, who's just personality wise, he's fine. He can go up to his other house and be up there for three weeks, all by his lonesome with the deer in the backyard. And he's good to go. Mm-hmm. Me, if I don't talk to another human being for 12, 14 hours, I start going crazy because I need to be able to communicate. So everyone's different. And, and for me, it's just being in that community and being part of a team. I yeah. thrive on that, And I love it.
0: Now, one thing you mentioned kind of at the beginning was woke culture. And it's something that is like, perpetuating in our, in our culture, especially here in America, being somebody who travels the world and seeing all these different cultures, would you say is it's as extreme as it is here in the United States? I feel like this is off topic, but I was just curious.
1: (laughs) No, it's, it's, I mean, I've been to 46 countries. Unfortunately, I haven't been to the vast majority of those. I was in eight years ago or or longer back. So, um, although I have traveled a bit, um, I I don't have as much knowledge on the current situation, but I can tell you for the amount of traveling I've done and wherever I have been in the last few years, and more importantly, the people I'm very close to that do an extensive amount of traveling in an executive protection capacity, I try not to talk about politics, I try not to talk about my religion, because for the most part, I feel like no one really cares what I have to say, and I don't really care what most other people have to say about those two topics. Right. My, my religion is is me, and my political stuff is, is me, and I feel like the vast majority of wars that we've had since civilization started have been caused because, because of either religion or politics, or oh, Absolutely. really both. So, I'll say this, from what I understand, from what I have personally seen um, from people from the Middle East, from people from the United Arab Emirates, from people from South America, and a few other places, uh, right now a lot of different places are laughing at us, and that has a lot to do with our current leadership, and um, some of the things that we're doing just, or I guess I should say some of the things that we're accepting as a society, Um, This whole woke mentality and this idea of just being sheep and just following whatever, you know, blindly following whatever we're told is is nonsense. Um, There's a a, a fascinating guy named Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, retired. Um, He wrote a fascinating book called On Combat. He's actually part of the same speaker bureau I'm in. And I referenced him in my book. And he has a fascinating um, way of breaking down our society in the idea of sheep, sheep dogs, and wolves. And essentially what he says, and I buy into it 100% is that 80% plus of our population are sheep. They like to eat grass. They don't wanna get in hurt. They don't wanna get in fights. They don't wanna to be too involved. They'll follow wherever they're supposed to go. They're terrified of the wolf. And then the other 10% are the wolves. And those are the kidnappers, the rapists, the child molesters, in large part some of our politicians, some of big pharma and whoever else we wanna throw in there. And then you have, hopefully it's 10%, the other 10% are sheepdogs. And those are the ones that are just born. It's innately within them to be a protector and they protect the flock of sheep. And it's an interesting dynamic in that if the wolf hasn't come around for a while, the sheep actually start to resent the sheepdog, because he looks a little like the wolf. He has fangs. He's built like the wolf. And the longer the wolf is gone, the sheep start to resent him. But the second the wolf comes, they're begging. And, and that sounds a lot like what's happening with our police. That sounds a lot like what's happening with a whole lot of other things. And there's a lot of touchy subjects that, that I'd rather not get into. But oh, yeah. at the end of the day, I'll just say, I think right now we have too many sheep I think our current policies are enabling and not having any penalties or consequences for the wolves. And we are desperately in need of more sheepdogs. And I can tell you right now for anyone attending the Roger Up event, our number one goal for this event, for you as an attendee, is that you leave more dangerous as a person. And I don't necessarily mean because we have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu every night or because you're gonna do some push-ups in the morning with some retired Navy SEALs. I don't necessarily mean dangerous in a physical capacity. I mean, you're more dangerous because you're more self-aware, because you're more prepared for that big, bad, scary world out there. You're more singularly focused on who you are, who you're surrounding yourself with. You're, You're more aware of your surroundings and that in itself makes you a more dangerous person. And then if you take some of the principles that we're gonna put forth at this event, and go home and immediately take action on them, you're gonna to continue to become more dangerous. And in my opinion, the best type of person and the type of people that I surround myself with are incredibly dangerous, but you'd never know it because they never have to use it. But if, God forbid, the proverbial shit hit the fan, those are the guys that I want and those are the gals that I want behind me. And um, that's our whole goal is just to get more educated and more disciplined people out there. because. There's a lot of crazy stuff
0: happening. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery powered eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. Dude, I, I, I fucking love that. Um, now, is the event based off of the book that you wrote, wrote called Roger Up?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the principles are, and I mean, full disclosure, we just needed a cool name. <laughs> I, was, I was doing a, 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 I was planning on doing an event a few years ago, and it fell through, and COVID came in and everything else. That event was called uh the real world samurai las vegas boot camp say that five times fast <laughs> and my wife's like man brent that is a really long name and at the time i was like that's ah, fine And now i look back and i'm like yep yeah, yeah, probably should have listened to her on that one too <laughs> but uh roger up is very easy to remember and um you know as attention spans continue to diminish yeah um, Plus, it's a cool name, and if if anyone doesn't know what Roger Up means, I'll I'll give you a very brief uh, definition of it and and why I use that term. So, essentially, um, back in 97, I was a new guy at my unit. I'm in Germany. I'm a combat engineer. a young private. I think I was a private first class, and we are on an 18-mile timed ruck march. And two weeks, two and a half weeks prior, we had done a 12-mile ruck march that was timed with 35 or 40 pounds on your back and you're carrying your weapon. That, that one I was carrying an M16, which is like I don't know, six or seven pounds. On this one, I had recently become the new 60 gunner for our platoon, which is the M60 fully automatic machine gun. And that weighs anywhere between 22 and 23 pounds. I'm six foot two, 160 pounds soaking wet at that time. I got 35 or 40 pounds on my back. I've got a 22 or 23 pound machine gun. I'm carrying and at mile 14. I broke down. And for the first time in my life, wrestling, didn't do it. Soccer didn't do it. Martial arts didn't do it for the first time in my life. I quit. I broke down on both knees and that was it. I was smoked. I was done. No more forget the last four miles. And my platoon sergeant at the time, who was still a good friend, uh, just retired last year from the army, uh, he had this awesome ability to casually appear. <laughs> it always seemed like he was peer- appearing around me, right? Cause I <laughs> fucked up a lot, <laughs> but uh, he appeared and he said, what's going on, man? I said, sorry, I'm smoked. I said, I can't feel my legs. My, you know, I don't want to take my boots off cause I know my feet are bleeding and uh, I'm smoked. The 60s killing me. And he looked me right in my eyes and he said, Maggie, you need to Roger the fuck up. You got four miles left. So I stood up and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, if all these guys looking at you right now cannot trust you to finish an 18 mile walk, how can they trust you downrange? And that completely changed my life because he was a thousand percent right. And trust me, every guy was looking at me because I was a new guy. And he not only did that, but it was the first time I saw leadership at the highest level executed, because even with bad knees, that guy walked the last four miles with me. Wow. Constantly motivating me and encouraging me to the point where I actually ended up jogging the last mile. That's how riled up he got me. Wow. I think I slept for two days after that, (laughs) but that was the first time I had not just hit the wall and I was done, but the first time I understood that there was a reserve tank and I actually had 20 or 30% more left. I just mentally broke. Physically I still was able to get up and walk four more miles with that machine gun with 35 pounds on my back. But my mind because I was weak and had never been there before broke and he unbroke that. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences in my life. And I wish it was a sexier story. I wish it happened in Afghanistan with bombs and tanks and <laughs> terrorists chasing us down. And we killed all the bad guys. But that was my Roger up moment. And I had never heard that term before. I'd heard Roger that just confirms a transmission. But the way he looked at me and said, Maggie, you need to Roger the fuck up. It was everything. So that ended up becoming the title of the book. And now that's the title of the event. And... um we're hoping to uh, do the same thing to our attendees that that beautiful uh, platoon sergeant Sergeant Scully did to me all those years ago. That's so.
0: amazing. That that's really amazing. That that kind of reminds me of uh, David Goggins' uh, quote. He he always says that when you when you're at the point of giving up, you always have forty percent. It's a forty percent rule. You always have forty percent more left in you. People give up before they even realize their full potential. Yeah.
1: And how do I say this? I, I love the fact that you brought up David Goggins, but I, I just wanna add a very respectful and polite caveat to that. I've, not, I've never met Mr. Goggins. I have friends that, that know him and have met him. And um, I hear he is absolutely 100% the real deal. What you see is what you get. The problem with some people's percep- perception of David is they have to understand that David is past the elite 1% of human beings when it comes to that. So I don't wanna by any means compare what I just said to some of the incredible things he's done physically. But I think when you hear a story like the one I just told for the average person, and I consider myself just an average guy, I think it's a little more realistic because Unfortunately, there's a lot of guys out there that gobble gobble up David's material and his books, and, and again, it's incredible stuff. You can't yeah. walk away from hearing that guy talk without being fired up, but <laughs> it's really hard to even do 10% of what he does. He's literally, in the most beautiful way, a freak, and he's like an alien. I mean... 99.9% of male human beings cannot do what that guy does.
0: They, right. I most think...
1: human beings do not stretch for four hours right. every night. They don't wake up and run 15 miles. Like It's almost impossible to live that way. So I, I encourage people to read his books and listen to him, but also have a realistic expectation of what you can do compared right. to what that beautiful alien named David Goggins right. can do. Right. And I say that very respectfully because he, he motivates and inspires millions of people.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, I think for him, I, I think he would even say that, you know, at the start of his physical journey that he wasn't even capable of doing that. But he was able to get to that point. Um, and obviously it's not for everybody, but the whole 40 percent rule is like it's you're you're capping out at 40. You're leaving 40 percent on the table of your your capabilities. So regardless of your capabilities, you still have a little bit in the tank, kind of like you, you know, like you were, you, you felt gassed out, but then somebody came and was like, Hey, you can do this. And they, they believed in you and they motivated you and inspired you. So you had a little bit more left in the tank.
1: Oh yeah. I was done, man. I was in tears. No no one, no one was shooting at me. No one kidnapped my kid. Like, but I was that smoked. I was in tears. I wanted, I wanted no more of that hot German sun. I wanted no more of that ruck. I wanted all that weight off my back. I wanted all the chafing to go away, the blisters and the blood on my feet. I was scared to even take my boots off. I couldn't feel my arms from that fucking machine gun. (laughs) And this guy came along and you can call it a Goggins moment. You can call it a Roger up moment. You can call it a God moment, whatever you want, but we all need them. We all need a Sergeant Scully in our life. We all need a Goggins in our life. We all need a Jason Redman or a Kevin Ross in our life. And um, I'm fortunate to uh, to have a few of those. And I'm I'm hopeful that the people that come to the Roger Up event leave there with one or two more of those in their life, in their phone. Um, you know, I talk about Jason Redman. I was recently on a podcast and they're asking me about circle of influence because i talk about it a lot and obviously jay wrote the the forward to my book and he's a two-time new york times best-selling author a very famous retired navy seal he was severely wounded shot in the face half of his face blown off some guy that somehow the guy's still handsome i don't know how that worked out <laughs> 40 surgeries and, and two million dollars worth of uh handsomeness he's got there but because he's Above a sur- all that. <laughs> Yeah. But besides like that, besides the 20 plus years in the SEAL teams, the combat missions, all the amazing bad guys that they took out and just being at the tip of the spear for as long as he was, I'm actually more impressed with what Jay did post-military. And, you know, the fact that he has such a strong wife um, is is incredible as well. I mean, the, the divorce rate in the SEAL teams is in the high 80 percentile because these guys are gone 300 days out of the year. And it's hard to maintain a relationship like that. I know in contracting, whenever I met guys from that elite spec op level, whether it was Delta guys, DevGrew guys, SEALs, um, you know, Green Berets, PJs, guys like that that were contracting, the vast majority of those guys were on marriage two or marriage three. Hadn't seen one or two of their kids born because they were deployed. And that's just a part of it. And it's And it's terrible for those families, but I think as Americans, we should be Very, very cognizant of the fact that those guys are out there and very, very thankful that there are guys out there that are sacrificing that much because they believe in the cause so much. Even if sometimes the cause, if the cause is questioned, or sometimes the cause may not be ethically or morally what we want, um, just knowing that we have very, very scary men that can go out in the dark of night and do very, very bad things while we sleep comfortably in our warm beds with our wives and our husbands and our kids and our dogs. It's a very beautiful thing. And,
0: um, that's, yeah, so. I think that's an important thing to bring up too on the podcast, because I feel like, especially here in America, we take our freedoms for granted. Like, I mean, obviously today was the, uh, what's that, uh, WNBA basketball player who was sentenced, yeah, to, got
1: sentenced to nine years in prison in Russia. Is that right?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I see posts on social media about like how she wasn't, um, she wasn't happy to be an American or whatever it was, but it's like there's so many people out there that are sh- that are ashamed to be in America or they're ashamed of the flag or they're ashamed of what we stand for and it's like we regardless of what we're at, where we're at you know in our economy in our government, in social economics, everything, we still have it good. We still have it better than probably ninety percent of the world or more
1: absolutely i've been to a lot of places and you know what drives me crazy is I hear, and this isn't a sexist statement by any means, but whenever I hear women complain about all of the supposed inequalities that we have, and there's, there's always going to be progress that needs to be made on, 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 on a vast majority of issues. But when I hear women complain about certain issues, um, frivolous things, um, I have to laugh because Just two years ago, in 2019, women were officially allowed to start driving in Saudi Arabia. I mean, mean, think about that for a minute. 2019, this isn't the 1940s. 2019, and that still comes with limitations. But women were allowed to start driving two years ago in Saudi Arabia. I mean, that's crazy. I mean they're still throwing gays off of rooftops in Russia right now. So when I hear people complaining about all of the social and blah, blah, blah injustices and all the things going on in this country, listen, we are a very flawed nation, just like every other nation, just like every human is a flawed human. But I'll tell you what, excuse me, there are the vast majority of the rest of the world would, and, and their residents and their population would kill to be here and you see people coming over here risking life and limb losing their kids to sex traffickers and coyotes um, doing anything risking their lives just to get here just to get here and be poor because yeah. being poor here is better than being off anywhere else in the world for the most part. So yeah. it, it's, it, it's crazy to me. And obviously I'm biased as, as a veteran and, and, and as a guy that's seen a few different places in the world and, and now still being able to work in executive protection and working with a lot of different Royal families and, and foreign diplomats and, and high network people from a whole host of different countries and religions and, and backgrounds and, um, collectively there's no one that thinks outside of the u.s that uh things are are terrible here they're all pretty happy <laughs> to come over here and see what we I have you. going
0: on oh i'm sure i mean i've talked to so many people that have um been immigrants from other countries like india or honduras or all these other countries that would be considered third world countries and they love it here they have no problems whatsoever um yep. yeah. Now, with your event, what inspired the event? I mean, was there a need that you've seen in, in the general population that you felt you could provide? Or?
1: I think it was two things. And I, I, I appreciate the question because, number one, I, I myself was going to a lot of events. I like going to events prior to COVID, um, whether it's the annual Protectors Conference in Las Vegas, which I was at last December, or just personal development events, whether it's a Tony Robbins event or Brian Tracy or going to see Robert Kiyosaki or Gary Vaynerchuk or guys that I'm, you know, I'm fans of these guys and I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and I'm buying into a lot of what they're, they're saying and selling because it's real stuff. Um, I started going to, to a lot of different events and I started for some weird reason, I started trying to figure out what they were doing right and what they could be doing better. Whether it was some massive event you know, 3,000 people or just some 30, 40 person workshop. And I started thinking like, man, it'd really be cool to do my own thing. Like I have I have some ideas on what I feel like I would want to go to. And I don't see that out there. And maybe I'm very niche in, in, in that demographic. Maybe I'm alone in the type of event I'd like to go to. But I talked to a few people uh, and I said, hey, this is the idea I have. I want to do a multi-day personal development event. I want to start the day off nice and early with some PT. Um, And right now, it it kills me to say it as an Army guy, but right now, SEALs are sexy. (laughs) And I'm fortunate to know a few. So retired Lieutenant, uh, retired SEAL Jason uh, Redman, Lieutenant, and retired Senior Chief William Bronham, uh, who did 26 years SEAL teams, they're going to be leading PT, um, it'll be at, it, it'll be at your own pace. You'll we'll have two different groups: the guys and gals that really want to get after it, and the guys and gals that are not used to that. But at the end of the day, just being out there at five thirty changes you. Just the fact that you're out there and you're participating is enough. Yeah. So starting the day off right, and then you know throughout the morning we'll have some fantastic speakers. In the afternoon we'll have breakout workshop sessions where we're attacking different topics that we feel like our whole goal, again, not just to make you more dangerous, but that you leave that event with actual tools in your proverbial tool belt, more bullets in your gun, like you can immediately walk out of there and the things that you learned are applicable to to your flight home or your drive home or whatever you're doing. And that's our whole goal. And another thing that is really important to me, it's important to me with having an 11-year-old stepdaughter who is not going to be, and she's a cute little Asian girl. She's not going to be some formidable MMA fighter. She's going to be lucky if she hits hundred pounds and five foot four. <laughs> so I need to know that she's prepared physically. If anything happens to me or her mom, I need to know that she's going to be able to take care of herself from a physical perspective, not to mention all of the other benefits that jujitsu gives you with confidence, situational awareness, and all those things. So that's why we have jujitsu every night, because we want to introduce people to this beautiful martial art, in my humble opinion, the most effective martial art in the world, and introduce them to what I believe is a real-life superpower. And when you see the look on people's face, and they, they do a, a simple move that requires only leverage and technique and no athleticism or strength, that, oh, shit, or that Roger Up or that David Goggins moment. Yeah. look on their face is, is priceless and we're hoping to have a lot of those moments uh at this event
0: yeah doing jiu-jitsu is super humbling because you could be in really good shape and then you go do you go do jiu and it's like whoa this takes a whole different it's a whole different ball game um my wife and i went and did jujitsu. uh we started taking it last summer we only went for a couple of classes but and we didn't continue um just because of scheduling and stuff but um yeah, that was one thing is like, I thought it would be a lot easier because I'm, I work out, I'm in shape and it was a lot more difficult than I thought it would be.
1: Yeah. And, and the most humbling thing is you can walk into a jujitsu school like you, you're a fit guy, you're a handsome guy, you take care <laughs> of yourself and you can walk into a jujitsu school and there can be a 140 pound accountant who is the nerdiest looking thing you've ever seen. And three minutes later, he's got his legs wrapped around you, and you're tapping, which tapping essentially means stop or you're gonna kill me or break my arm. And mm-hmm. that is humbling. That is humbling because the male ego is one of the most fragile things on planet Earth. <laughs> and when Nick gets humbled like that, I've seen I've seen guys not come back to the gym. I mean, guys that come in and they're just yoked and maybe or maybe not on performance enhancing drugs and maybe they've had a few street fights or they did a little wrestling and they come in. And again, they get that nerdy looking accountant or that nerdy looking attorney. And that's nothing against accountants or attorneys, (laughs) but they get that guy that essentially very much like Hoist Gracie, who was specifically chosen in 1993 by the Gracie, Gracie family to fight, not his older brother, Hickson, who looked the part. And that's my jujitsu lineage is through Hickson, But Hoyce was specifically chosen by his father and by his older brother, Horian, to be the guy to represent Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because he didn't have muscles. He looked like a guy that couldn't fight. He looked like the guy who was an accountant or whatever. And Hickson looked like he could fight. And when Hoyce went in there in 1993 and ran through everyone and barely even punched anyone, the enti- that, was, that was arguably the most important night in the history of martial arts. And everyone realized, wow, we have to know what we do to do when we get on the ground. Because let's be honest, over 90% of fights end up on the ground. Yeah. you can be the best puncher with the hardest punch or the best kicker and all that. But if you've got some animal or some gorilla on top of you, you better know what to do. And if you're a female and you're at a party, and a bad situation comes up and there's a guy on top of you, you better know what to do. Or if you're a female and some guy's trying to mug you, who cares about your purse? Who cares what he wants to steal? The fact that you can defend yourself and get away and you didn't get raped or murdered, that's a victory. Who cares about your purse? You can get new credit cards, you can get a new phone, you can get a new Louis. that's <laughs> not the idea. The idea is that you survive that situation. And that's why we have jujitsu all three nights. And we don't just have, you know, jujitsu. We have jujitsu with legit black belt world champions. And you are going to learn in a very controlled in a very safe and a very fun environment all three nights. Whether you've never even heard of jiu-jitsu or you're a brown belt and you like competing and you got the cauliflower ears and you want to come get some. We'll break off halfway through to the other side of the room and you can come get some. I got a guy from Brazil. that doesn't speak English. He looks like a gorilla and he fights like one. So if you want to come get some, he'll be there. His name is Edson. If not hang with everyone else, learn some good stuff. Either way we got you and I'm confident you're going to leave the event much more confident and much more in tune with who you are. And hopefully it will spark. And and I'm going to say this, selfishly hopefully my event sparks your wanting to pursue jujitsu and hopefully our event sparks you wanting to if you have kids or if you have a nephew or a niece that's you know eight years old or above seven years old or above it sparks you to get them involved in jujitsu because you see just how effective it can be on so many different levels
0: yeah absolutely now, um, where can people find find the tickets for the event? Um, what's all the, that information?
1: The website is RogerUpEvent.com. Okay. So uh, go there, and uh, if you are law enforcement, fire, military, or a veteran, we have a thirty percent discount. Which on a thousand dollar ticket, it's actually nine ninety seven. Let's just call it a grand. On a thousand dollar ticket, you're saving like three hundred bucks. So. That'll probably cover your flight, unless you're coming in from Hawaii or Australia, and uh, that'll cover a couple nights your hotel rooms, or if you want to put that towards a mastermind dinner with retired Navy SEAL Jason Redman or retired MARSOC Marine Nick Kumulatsos, or maybe you want to put that towards the Roger Up Forum, which takes place the morning of the event, uh, four hours at 128 seat movie theater uh, six speakers going to be awesome. So there's a lot of different routes to go, but yeah, if you are law enforcement, fire, military, or veteran, uh, hit us up on email just so we can check you out, make sure you're good to go, and you will get that 30% discount code.
0: Awesome. So this event is geared towards uh, firefighters, police, military?
1: It's not geared towards them. I just have a bias and an affinity towards <laughs> service. Yeah. So Um, I support the police. There are certainly bad apples out there. There are bad apples at uh, the zoo has bad employees. The dentist office has bad employees. The hospital has bad employees. Law firms have bad employees. McDonald's has bad employees. And guess what? There's bad employees in the police. There's bad employees in the military. But a few bad apples should not ruin the entire bunch. And the fact that just in the last two months, We had over 500 Chicago police officers. That number is not embellished. 500 active police officers retire early and only 46 graduated from the academy. And if you do the math on that, that's a big loss. That's
0: That's a a, huge number.
1: That's a huge number. In the third largest city with the most violent crime, the third largest city in the U.S. And the most crime with the strictest gun laws. Explain all that to me, but um, I'm not a politician and I'm probably not smart enough to make those decisions. I'd like to, but I'm not. So, um, But yeah, it's uh, I just have a real affinity towards service. So out of respect for the fact that these police officers, male and female, protect us every night. When I go to bed and I see police cars drive by, they're out there at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. I'm sure they'd rather be home with their families, but they're out there keeping us safe. Yeah. When someone's house catches on fire or someone gets injured or someone has a car accident and it's midnight or one in the morning and fire engines and ambulances show up, those first responders, they probably rather be home with their families, but they're out there kicking ass and saving lives they're and risky with home. our military. So that's why we have a 30% discount, which is a pretty big discount on a $1,000 ticket. That's why we have that for them, because I just have such a tremendous amount of respect for what they do. And as a veteran, if I didn't have a discount for veterans, they probably wouldn't show up to my event. So
0: yeah, <laughs> that's, just how the,
1: that's just how the veteran community works, I guess.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, generally, anywhere you go in the United States, there's usually some sort of veteran discount, which I think is awesome.
1: Yeah, and there's usually one on Veterans Day. I never do that. I never go to IHOP and get the free, like, 12 stack of pancakes. (laughs) I know some guys do, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I like to more or less support all that stuff somewhat silently. Um, This isn't very silent. This is a big event. We're expecting over 150 people in uh, two and a half days. Big hotel, room blocks, banquet rooms. I was just there for three hours this afternoon going over all the logistics. And we have one room which which has the stage and the big setup for the, the full event. We have another room which is entirely just mats for jiu-jitsu. It's wow. freaking awesome. And, um, yeah, so it's it's really exciting. And, uh, yeah, so RogerUpEvent.com. I, I hope uh, some of your listeners go to that. And, um, and check it out, because it's going to be a great event. And if you live anywhere near the Chicago area, I always say, if you're within two, three, four hours, drive in, man. Save save the uh, save the time of being at the airport, back and forth, possible layovers, whatever.
0: That's what I'm going to do. I'm driving in.
1: Yeah, I mean, gas prices are, are going down. I
0: mean, no.
1: <laughs> don't quote me on that. I don't know when this is airing. <laughs> if, if it airs in a week and they're up to six bucks, don't hold me accountable. <laughs> but um I always say, if you're within, you know, if you're within a few hours, drive in and you have your car here. It's just one more added advantage you have. But for those of you that aren't driving in and are thinking about flying in, uh, we're about 17 minutes from O'Hare Airport in the western suburbs of Chicago. It is an affluent area. It's a very safe area. Um, I have to say all that when we're talking about Chicago because people think they're showing up in Ramadi in 2006. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's
0: a bunch of certified badasses at that event. I don't think anybody's going to do anything.
1: (laughs) And I was just going to say, you beat me to the punch, youngster. Uh, I say that as a 46-year-old. You're a young guy. Uh, You beat me to the punch because, yes, I I can assure you, (laughs) we have some of the best personal protection agents. uh, Some of the baddest dudes on the planet are going to be at this event. So I assure you, you will be quite safe at the Westin in Lombard, Illinois, uh, September 1st, 2nd and 3rd, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great event, man. And I appreciate you giving me a platform to talk to, um, some of your, uh, you know, some of your audience. I know I've been doing a lot of podcasts and different outlets lately, and I was really excited to talk to you because you called me after you talked to Kevin and he texted me. He said, Hey man, I just had a great podcast with this guy. Check him out. Uh, I gave him your info or can I give him your info? And that's that that's how nice Kevin is. I'm like, I'm not as good as that. I'll give someone's name out or number out and then be like, oh man, I should I probably should have asked him first. That's how good a guy Kevin is. I can still learn from these guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we had a great conversation on the phone. And you said you and your wife were uh you know thinking about coming down. And I think that's so awesome, man. And we have a couple, I, I, I've looked at some of the ticket purchases. We have a couple people where we have a dad that's I don't know, in his late forties and he's bringing his son who's in his early twenties. I think that is so awesome. And, um, there's another husband and wife couple, uh, early thirties, that's coming to do the event together. I think that's so cool. Like, you know, what better way to grow together? Like that's just so cool to me. And maybe it's something I can learn from because I always have gone to events by myself, whether I was in a relationship or, or now that I'm married and, um, the more I think about it, I'm like, man, I would go to this event with my wife because there's probably things there that she's better at that I need to work on and stuff like jujitsu that I've been doing for 10 years, I would want her to work on. So yeah. I think it's going to be fantastic for, for everyone. And um, I'm super, super stoked that you guys are going to come down and, and I'm excited that I get to talk about it on your platform here.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks for doing this. Um, I'm excited to meet you in person and meet the rest of the, the speakers and um, to to uh get the tools uh whatever you guys will be teaching um it'll be i'm excited i'm really excited about it it's also You you know what the cool thing is it's like since i
1: did your podcast i'm gonna have to like i shouldn't say this publicly but since i did your podcast i'm gonna have to get you a little extra access time to Luis Claudio. So Luis Claudio is a fourth degree black belt under Hicks and Gracie. He was just in Juliana Pena's corner over the weekend at the UFC event. Unfortunately, she did not get the win in the rematch against Amanda Nunes. Hopefully they run it back for the third time. I think Juliana being at most a four-stripe blue belt held off a black belt world champion in Amanda Nunez with elbows and everything else. And actually almost arm her and almost submitted her. Um, I just think it speaks to the level of jujitsu that Luis puts out. Uh, he has other UFC fighters as well, but him being one of Hickson's best black belts, when you're around this guy, again, he's another one of these guys where when you get off the phone with him or you get, you just leave training with him, you feel better. You're just a better person. And I want people to experience that because it's one thing for me to talk about it on the radio or talk about it on a podcast. I can talk about how awesome Kevin Ross is or how awesome Jason Redmond is or how awesome Luis is. But that's just, that's just me talking. And I can only talk so much. Yeah. Trust me, I talk a lot. <laughs> I want people to experience that. I want people to walk away saying, holy shit. That guy, Luis, is five foot six on a tall day and 150 pounds on a heavy day. And that felt like rolling with a silverback, 400-pound gorilla who put no effort into it. And I was helpless. And not only that, but he showed me how to do that. That's what I want people to walk away with. Because again, I could talk about it all day because I'm so, I'm so blessed to have these people in my life and to be able to be around them and learn from them. I I feel spoiled and I want to share that. I want to share all this fruit, all this stuff with all these other people. So um, we'll get you a little 10 minutes in the corner with Luis and he'll teach you. He'll throw some secret sauce at you that you can use uh, out in the real world if you ever need it.
0: Well, that'd be awesome. I really appreciate that. And uh, again, I'm looking forward to this event. And um, I think this episode should be out next week. Um, I'm releasing Kevin Ross's uh, on, on Monday or Tuesday. And then yours either Wednesday or Thursday, so.
1: Cool. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, let me know. We'll share it on social media. And um, yeah, it was great. Great talking, man.
0: Awesome talking to you too. All right, man. Take care.
1: Thank you, David. Thank you.